The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are helping you rise and come back to live a life that is bright and well from the mind down, forming a better relationship with yourself, others, and life. I'm Lucia, and today we are wrapping up our five part series on dealing with anxiety stress, and depression. This has been such an informative and eye-opening series for me. And in the process of it, I really realized that some of these conversations absolutely could go longer. So not only are we going to start talking about some of the solutions and stories that people have to share, that we have to share, that our guests have to share, we're also going to start talking about how society plays a part because it is such a huge part of this discussion is not only looking at ourselves, but also looking at society and how that influences us. On today's show, we're talking about men and depression. And the reason that I chose this was through my career and through my studies, one of the things that has always stood out to me is how different depression manifests itself in males versus females and how sometimes when that manifestation occurs, men don't even know what's going on. And the people around men, loved ones, family members, they sometimes don't know what's going on as well. So it's hard to get help when you don't know what the signs are, what the symptoms are, and just the sheer fact that depression and anxiety manifests itself differently in the male population. Before we get started, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that causes depression in general. And I don't think we've actually even talked about that in throughout the series is what is the cause of depression and anxiety? What triggers this in people? Obviously, some of it is can be genetic person and certain personality traits as well can be more prone to stress, depression and anxiety. But there's other things like stressful events in your life, maybe losing a job, having a problem in your marriage, a health problem that can trigger situational depression, situational anxiety that could lead to an issue if not dealt with. Other considerations are having a bad childhood, such as one that involved abuse or poor relationship with your parents. Maybe your parents had marital problems, a family history of depression and anxiety. These are the things that increase your own risk three to four times more. So if you are a male, or even if you're just someone listening to the show, or if you have a loved one that's a male, and you're thinking, could they have depression or anxiety? Yes, we're going to talk about how it's different in men, but those are some of the things that make men and women more prone to depression, anxiety, and stress in general. I also just want everyone to know that you're really not alone. I said this in the four, in the first show, but there's 14.8 million American adults who experience major depression. That's major depression. Feeling so bad that you actually can't get out of bed. And the numbers of people that experience anxiety and depression are just staggering and they're only increasing. Like we've talked about in the show, there's a 33% increase and in uptick in something called deaths of despair sending around these issues, which is why this show in particular is so important important and vital. So what does depression and anxiety look like in men versus females? When depression occurs in men, it can sometimes mask itself as an unhealthy coping behavior. So Mayo Clinic, one of my favorite resources, they talk about how this and why this happens. And they say that it happens for a number of reasons. And because of these reasons, men often go undiagnosed and having undiagnosed depression can lead to devastating consequences. Like all depression, it can get better with treatment. 
One of the things we're going to be talking about and our guests going to be talking about is more detail on those signs and symptoms, but also how to help a loved one who's male and struggling with depression, how to talk to them, how to get them help, what's the best help. So our guest Pete Parada is going to come on very shortly to talk about that. Before that, I just wanted to dive into some of those very specific signs and symptoms in men. So like women, it can feel like sadness, hopelessness. You could feel empty. Your loved one could feel empty. You could notice that they're extremely tired or if you're the male listening to the show. You could feel extremely tired. You could have trouble sleeping, maybe get no pleasure from activities that you usually enjoyed. So those are some of the signs we've talked about before. But some of the things in men that could be signs of depression are they may not even have some of those things, but they may have some of these things. So physical symptoms, maybe headaches, digestive problems, or certain pains that they didn't have. Men are more prone to turn to escapism behavior if they're feeling depressed. So that could be lots of time at work, lots of time on a sport in particular, problems with alcohol and drugs. They may be angry. So lashing out more controlling, sometimes even violent or abusive, which we never condone, but that is a sign or symptom. You could notice that they're more reckless in operating their vehicle. But anger and irritability, that is definitely something that happens that manifests itself in men more than female. Now, getting diagnosed, like I said, is so important and so critical. I know I've shared in this this show before, but I've definitely had loved ones who are men in my life suffer from depression. And I have to say that I just remember thinking, even with all my knowledge, even I wasn't licensed at the time, but even with all my knowledge, just being like, what is going on? I don't understand how and why is this person lashing out? And it absolutely manifested itself as anger and I could not make the connection. So this show is really for not only if you are a male suffering from depression, but for the loved ones of men too, if you're confused and you want more info, you definitely are going to want to stick around for our guest, Pete Parada. He's a licensed professional counselor and he's going to join us next to dissect this all and talk about this all in greater detail. So stick with us. We'll be right back on Well Seekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. And we're back on Well Seekers with our guest joining us again, sort of our resident male therapist, because <laughs> we just love having you so much. Pete Parada, licensed professional counselor. Thanks so much for joining us again here on Well Seekers. Thank you so much for having me. My goodness, I love this. This is sort of like my home away from home on the air. <laughs> I know. You really should be our resident male counselor for right now because I feel like whenever I have a question that 
goes towards that population, I lean on you. So thanks for being such a, a great, valuable, and truly expert resource. Because there's so many people out there that say they're experts in this field, and you truly are. So thanks for being here for Thank us all. Thank you so much. It's oh, true. What a wonderful compliment. <laughs> it's true. Um, so we're wrapping up our series on anxiety and stress and depression here. And um, we've had a lot of great topics where we've talked about different areas and how these signs and symptoms and treatments are different sometimes for different populations. We talked about millennials and caregivers. We talked about one other thing. Oh, yeah. We talked about how food plays into it as well. But one of the topics that I always get questions about and that I have personal and professional experience in as well is how depression and anxiety manifests itself slightly differently in men specifically. Mm -hmm. Before you came on, we talked about some of the signs and symptoms and how it's different in men. But I'd love to hear in your experience, professionally or no professionally, how it is different in men. And it's, it's so true that it definitely, both, both anxiety and depression, they manifest in, in different ways. What I've seen most as it relates to my guys versus my, my lady clients, how it manifests initially, especially initially, right? Like with irritability. And oftentimes that irritability can sort of manifest and grow and get really ugly and, and folks tend to lash out. Then you hear sort of feedback from family members that are saying, you know, you need to go to treatment. And when you're worked up and angry, it's the last thing you want to do is what anyone says that you should be doing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So people hear that and then they get more upset. And it's a lot of my guys when they're by themselves, they come in and they sit down and they confide and I don't know why I'm so upset. I don't know why I'm so angry. And I hate that the people that I live with I mean, to varying degrees of this, right? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but mm. I hate that the people that I live with are walking on eggshells when they're around me because they just, they're not sure what's going to set me off. That's sort of one of the ways that it shows up, at least initially. In women, it presents more like typical when you think depression. I'm just talking mm -hmm. about depression right now versus anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, low moods, not showing up to certain events as much, like loss of interest mm -hmm. in activities you used to love. And in men, anger is a common thing that mm -hmm. comes with depression. And I think that that's what you were talking about there is that people sort of feeling lost, like, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's so different. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And, you know, I have sort of my own kind of anecdotal thought process as to why it manifests that way, but that's definitely the case. What, what is it? Curious. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know how popular this is going to be given, given our political climate today, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to venture into some of that stuff right now. So I think that maybe an existential look at why this manifests will make sense. At least it does for me. When I think about just biology, basic biology, the way that we, our bodies develop, like we think about men versus women, mm. testosterone, and we know that like male bones are, are, are denser. Uh, or more dense, I should say. Testosterone itself makes us more physically aggressive. I think that all congeals into making men physically stronger and faster. Mm. One of the things I've noticed with, with men and women is that guys sort of just aimlessly walk through life, but there's a lot of pressure that's being placed on, on my female clients because, you know, in order to keep up with what's happening, especially in a professional setting, like you kind of have to take on some traits that are stereotypically male. I don't mean act like a man. I mean, traits that are stereotypically male. They're different. Wait, can we just back up for a second something you said before yeah, we yeah, move yeah. forward? 
obviously we're talking about identity roles. There's lots of different gender identities, which is a whole different show and appreciate and open to people classifying as different genders, multiple genders, all of that. So we're talking typical male, female roles. That's right. It's a binary conversation. Absolutely. If we're keeping it the binary focus, Mm -hmm. when you say men walk around not really knowing what they're doing, that is my Mm -hmm. experience as well. And that Mm -hmm. is really true. And I think as females, and we have a predominantly female audience, So as females, I think that that was the greatest learning curve for me personally and professionally is that men really, they're sometimes quite lost. Is that fair to say? Is that what you were saying? I was saying more along the lines of not necessarily aware of self and how they relate to others. Like you're essentially walking amongst people who can overpower you at at any moment. You're going to be way more aware of what's going on. Mm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that is fair. I think women do tend to be more in touch with their their emotions and what's going on with them. I think that's fair to say. Right. As men, whether it's like you said, hormonal or whether it's cultural, most probably both self and society inflicted, mm-hmm. I think. Men in general don't take as much time to check in with their emotions. I would say it's almost more cultural. I think there's biology involved in it. There's pressures that you guys have that, that men don't, that we just don't, right? Like you got to have your stuff together. I think the reason why women develop much faster is because, you know, and there's tons of data to show this. There's like, if you don't have your stuff together by age 30, like there's some existential issues that start to come up. Mm. Whereas guys are just sort of like, huh? And it, it, I think what happens when we're talking specifically the man-woman sort of the relationship, when, when a, a man meets a woman and sort of falls for that woman, that part of what happens in that process is he's sort of made aware that there's a world that exists, you know, four inches outside of his nose. You know what I mean? Mm, no, tell me more. Well, it's sort of like you ever go to somebody's house who's like the consummate bachelor. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like throw pillows or anything like you know what I mean like the furniture yeah. doesn't even necessarily matter like that I'm speaking in generalities I understand that I'm painting with a really wide brush but yeah I had an ex like that <laughs> there you go see and I helped redo his home that's my point that was exactly what I was going to say you know mm-hmm. and then now all of a sudden we got Yankee Candle going on in the house right we have pictures on the walls yeah it's so cute now but then our sports heroes memorabilia all that other stuff right so this stuff kind of kicks in. And, and what I think happens is as far as how depression sort of manifests itself is it's like, you know, it's if I'm getting irritable or angry and it will anger is a protective factor. Right. And I think part of the reason why we turn to anger is anger gets stuff done. And if there's pressure on you to, to I'm speaking specifically in, a, in a, a way to accomplish things as far as being in a, in a relationship and things like that. I get what you're saying. So like the male response to go towards anger is really a defense mechanism of his depression, as opposed to women that sort of skip the anger and just go into the more depressive role. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also think that women are likely to turn his anger is that depression turn outward. Right. I'm obviously, again, I'm painting with a, a really broad brush here, but Rage tends to be anger pointed out or depression tends to be anger pointed inward. And I think that I think because women are, are more apt to be introspective, the assumption is when things feel off, women tend to go to something must be wrong with me, whereas it often manifests something's wrong with everybody around me, with men. Ah, with men. Interesting. We just had a very detailed conversation to get to that. That was perfect, though. That makes complete sense. So once they're there and they're starting to 
let's just say for men that tend to point it outwards and not so much inwards. Mm. What are some steps if you're a loved one of a male that's fighting depression or anxiety? What would you say are some of the steps to take in having a conversation with this person and then helping them get the treatment that they need? Because I know from my own personal experience too, it's hard sometimes to have that conversation with your loved one. And then again, just talking very binary gender roles, but talking to men in general about seeking help for feelings or anything, right? That is a sign of some sort of weakness. I feel like it can be a hard conversation because of the cultural expectations that we have on men. Sure. What advice would you have? Again, we're going to make some assumptions here, assuming that you have the ability to sit down and that the person will listen to you, that they're open enough to hear what you have to say. I think it's important to start with things that you can agree upon immediately. How it might look would be to say, okay, the way things are going, it's not agreeable. Mm. Would you agree? Right? Like this is not okay. What's happening here? Okay. More often than not, people are going to say, yeah, you know what? I don't want to be angry all the time. Mm. Let's skip the reasons. Let's, let's not assign blame or anything like that. Let's just make some connections. Let's just make some validation here. Before they hear what you have to say, they're going to need to know that you have their best interest in mind. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. No, that makes total sense. Let's say that they agree. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, okay, they agree in the moment maybe. Mm -hmm. But then a couple days later, you say, okay, well, let's like look into getting that help for that anxiety or that depression. And then it's like, wait, but I don't really need that. (laughs) What do you do? Again, it depends on how open you would be. And now we're asking a lot of the person who's talking, right? Because we're making the assumption that they have full access to their rational brain. When someone that you love is in in pain, and when that pain is pointed at you, it can make you irrational. Fair enough? Mm, Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of different things. Well, okay, well, maybe, you know what? Maybe that's fair. Maybe you don't need it. But I don't know how to not feel like I'm under attack. So I was thinking about going and I was hoping maybe you could come with me. But assuming you you connect with the person and they say, okay, yes, yes, you know what, you're right. This isn't going in a direction that I would hope. Yeah. Okay. What are we going to do about it? Let's talk about what we can do. There's a misconception out there. And I don't know that as therapists, we do the best job of getting the message out that therapy isn't for sick people. It's either for people that are well and want to get weller, (laughs) or it's for people that, you know, are looking to gain some outside perspective. I would look at it less of a, there's something wrong with you. Let's go get this fixed. And more of a, let's learn some tools. Cause no matter what we're doing, right. If we're in the gym, if we're taking a martial arts class, if we're going to see an artist, if we're taking art lessons, if we're all of that stuff, if we're learning how to code, if a teacher is going to teach you tools. I love that, Pete. I think that so often therapy is thought of as what you just said. And I think I've even been guilty of classifying it as that in some cases, mainly because insurance, right? Because when you treat and if you accept insurance, you straddle that line of needing to provide a diagnosis of what this person comes in for. So we've almost set it up in our system. And this is, it's like a tangent, but very important conversation. Mm -hmm. We've almost set it up in our system that there's no preventative care. Mm -hmm. So people can't almost be there to get better. Mm -hmm. They have to have some diagnosed mental health issue before their insurance will even help them. 
Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So right, yeah. that is hard. Indeed. But I love your approach. I love your approach. Thank you for the compliment. I'm much appreciated. And I've had some success at, at taking that approach. And I think it's also on us as providers to say, okay, look, there is a label that we're going to put on this. Okay. And a label is just that when I go into the refrigerator and I'm looking for sauce, I see a label that reads sauce. Okay. There it is. It's just an identifier. We're just calling this cluster of symptoms, this thing. It doesn't mean that's who you are. Mm. We have to put this name to it, right? But as far as how we interact, we're not going to throw words like that around. We're going to talk about what are we going to add to our life to mediate some of these symptom expressions, let's say. Mm. Yep. That makes total sense. Let's say that they end up going to treatment. How as loved ones can we support men in our life that are experiencing these symptoms and whether they're seeking some sort of treatment or not? Well, I think each individual person has a way that they like to receive and give love or compliments, right? Or feedback. And I think that it's kind of up to the person who you're working with to figure out how it is that they want support. But if we're going to stick to, you know, again, some of the basics, the keys, the building blocks, it's definitely providing consistency, a compassionate, warm place, providing a soft place to land is essentially what it comes down to. Everybody needs a soft place to land. Because there's nothing that you're going to be able to say to the person that is behaving a certain way that's going to be worse than what that person is already saying to themselves. What do you mean by that? Like saying to themselves about themselves? Yeah, exactly. Like if someone is snapping or is angry or is upset, like people that are perpetually happy don't behave that way. Do you know what I mean? Like this person is in pain and they're behaving in a way that's crummy because they're in pain. There's a fair amount of negative self-talk. It's like, you know, you should be better than this. You need to get this under control. Why can't you do this? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be whoever it is, whatever conception or expectation that most people place on themselves, whatever whatever that is, that's who you're supposed to be. And it can be a punishable offense, let's say. So be a so- an extra soft space to land instead of sort of crucifying <laughs> them or coming at them strongly, which I have to say before I was licensed as a therapist and experiences in my personal life, I think I did everything wrong, which is why this topic in general means so much to me, because it is kind of confusing when someone you love, who's usually gentle and soft in your safe, soft space to land, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden is angry and combative. You're thinking to yourself, what is this? Depression isn't the first thing that comes to mind because you're thinking that they would be a little withdrawn or isolating. Mm -hmm. But when that shift happens and depression isn't the first thing that comes to mind because the symptoms do vary and are sometimes different in men, Mm -hmm. it can be really confusing. What I hear you saying is just reminding people to be soft and gentle in the safe space to land. And if someone's experiencing this, it may be a sign of depression. Would you say anxiety manifests in the same way? Sure. Very okay. similar, at least initially. Some, you know, it's oftentimes hard to see where anxiety stops and depression starts, right? Like a lot of times what I've come to notice is if someone has spent enough time in an anxious state, a depressive state use, usually follows. Mm. And again, I think we come back to biology. When you're in an anxious state, you're burning resources at a rate that's not sustainable. It's too fast. So your body knows, right? Like depending upon your spiritual convictions, we're talking about three and a half billion years of successful reproduction, mm. <laughs> right? Like we're really good yeah. at staying alive. Yeah. The body is really good at knowing what it needs. Yeah. So it says that, okay, well, wait a minute. We're, we're eating up 
resources way too fast. I know what we need. We need to rest. Mm. And what that may look like is disinterest in stuff that you might normally be interested in, that kind of thing, withdrawing all of that stuff that comes along with it. And oftentimes it's not like the irritability is the only way depression manifests itself. It can be both. You can be withdrawn one moment and really cranky another moment, or you can be really sluggish and lethargic and angry at the same time. Mm. I wanted to back up a little bit. I totally get why as a person who is experiencing or going through or watching someone, a loved one have depression, act out in a way that's you know less than desirable. I totally get why you would take offense to it or why you would be upset with it. It makes perfect sense to me. Like Nobody wants to be around someone who's irritable because that irritability inevitably gets pointed at you. Hopefully, if you are listening and you have a loved one who is a male and has some of these signs and symptoms that we talked about before and then Pete and I just recapped, it sounds like, again, just gently guiding them to outside resources is the best place to start and then being there to be the safe space as they go through this process because one thing I do know is that the process it's a process right absolutely it takes time and finding someone to help walk alongside your loved one in that process I feel like is key I think the other thing that happens with men in general to more than women is they they want to and think they can fix the problem themselves. Sure. This is more me speaking personally, like prior to even being licensed. Once you get them to admit there's a problem, it's like, okay, I have a problem. All right, I'm just going to fix it myself. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Right. Like you do need some outside support sometimes. And it's not a sign of weakness. I think if anything, it's a sign of strength to have someone walk alongside you in the process and let someone in. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like if you want to strengthen your body, you go to the gym and lift weights, right? If you want to strengthen your mind, you go to a place that's going to help teach you tools to strengthen your mind against, if we're using very basic principles, against what you're up against. Absolutely. It's sort of like it's a very base principle. If, if you want to do what, or if you want to be healthy, you have to do what healthy people do. So, so true. Pete, before we let you go, anything else that treating men with depression and anxiety that you feel like is important for people to know? Yeah, you know, part of what we do as therapists, it's incumbent upon us to find out, does this person have depression or does this person have a problem? Like sometimes people that are grappling with existential issues that they don't really know how to solve will create depressive-like symptoms, right? If you and if a guy is coming in and you know they say that they have depression, they've been told that they have depression, and it turns out that they've been drinking a lot, and their wife is leaving them, and they're you know in danger of being fired, and the, you know the lien holder on their house is sending you know foreclosure notices and that kind of stuff. Well, those are those are serious issues. Mm, yeah. Perhaps there are some behavioral things that we can implement immediately that can alleviate some of that. Right. And once once you can act yourself into feeling a little bit better and you start to put yourself on a better mode of being in the world, maybe the depression symptoms, maybe those depressive symptoms sort of go away. Whereas if a person is depressed, you know, they may need an SSRI. And that sort of compounds the problem when you talk about weakness and not, and, and not being able to control things. But one sort of hurdle at a time. Mm. And that's really what we're what we're up against. I love that. Taking SSRIs or medication is absolutely not a weakness, Mm. but hopefully this helps in that process. And such great advice that sometimes it's not depression. It may look like depression, but that's when going to a therapist and hopefully the therapist can, you know, 
decipher between the two. Um, if like you said, they are experienced. Mm-hmm. So look for an experienced therapist. Indeed. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Pete Parada, licensed professional counselor. Tell us where we can find you again. I can be reached to psychology today. That's that's probably, that's the best way to find. Me. All right. We'll send you a link too. If you click below, you can find Pete. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're the best. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be right back on Well Seekers. After a long day, taking time to love yourself and your friends and your family more well can be a challenge. We're so burnt out and exhausted and stressed from working so hard during the day, we forget to love the people and the places and the things that are important to us. Well, Lucia Knight is here to help. We're gonna be a retreat and a treat for your day. A place to laugh, to connect, and to learn to love yourself and others more well. We're gonna talk about relationships, ways to sleep better. We'll have expert guests, personal stories, maybe even a musical guest or two. We'll share behind the scenes into my own life as well, my friends, my family, and of course, my relationships. So close the door on your day and light up your night with Lucia at night. Also, make sure to check out more at wellseekers.com for simple and real life ways to bring wellness home. I'll see you tonight on Lucia at Night. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. And we're back on Well Seekers. Thanks so much again to Pete Parada for joining us. Now, before we let you go, I want to tell you about a tool that absolutely was, you know, started really when I was going through some tough times, but with people in mind that are suffering from anxiety, depression, stress in particular, I want to tell you about this season's box. You guys know that we have a toolkit to help people who are experiencing lots of different things. Maybe you're going through a life transition, letting go of addiction. If you're a caregiver, if you're dealing with chronic illness, if you're looking to just feel your best um, or feel better from the inside out, if you're a woman or a girl or a man that's facing depression, if you're making a comeback in any way and you need some extra support, this season's box is for you. It's our spring revival box and it is filled with a bunch of tools. I'm going to be making some videos to so make sure to check out the site wellseekers.com about this box. But I have to say that I've tried all of these. I've been using all of these um, tools that are in this month's box. There's a journal that I've been writing in every morning. Mindfulness messages, if you're like me and sometimes staying present is hard, we have given you mindfulness tools. And every day you can pick up one of the mindful messages and stay focused on just that one thing to help you be more present in your life. We have a special limited edition Well Seekers coaster for your drinks. We have green candles that are proven when you see the color green. It's proven to connect you to nature more and make you a little bit more happy. And a couple of other exciting things, if you go to wellseekers.com and click on the Spring Revival Box, the private club. You can check out all those great tools, but I can't tell you enough how much I just love using these and I know and I'm excited that you're gonna love them too this spring. I wanna thank all of our guests who have been part of this series. We've had a lot of them. If you've missed any of the shows, make sure to check out the rest of the site, wellseekers.com. Click on the talk tab and then click on Wellseekers and you will see shows about depression and anxiety and caregivers, how food affects it. Special guest Mary Joyner talking about her mom, the fastest woman in the world still. Flojo, the advice she gave her when she was facing stressful situations. Mary's one of my good friends and we had a very special 
special guest talking about millennials and depression. And of course, today's conversation about men and depression. Really what Well Seekers is all about is conversations and tools, Talk Tools Tribe, to help you rise and come back, to live life bright and well, to form a better relationship with yourself and others and life. And I can't say enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show and to our guests, this series in particular, such critical information on depression and anxiety and stress that we all are going to take with us. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you all. I know you have so many different ways where you can spend your time and your resources and your energy and have a conversation with a lot of different people. So I'm so grateful you're having this conversation with me. Thanks so much for joining Well Seekers and being part of our family and a part of our tribe. We will be back with our next six week series that's going to take us into spring. And I can't believe it's summer. Um, So stick with us. We'll be back in a few weeks with brand new shows. Until then, stay bright and stay well. And we'll talk to you soon right here on Wealth Seekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.